Welcome to the Dad Strength Podcast, helping you learn the mug that says world's greatest dad. The Dad Strength Podcast is an Unlearning Network production. My name is Jeff Gervitz. I am your host. I am a fellow dad. And here's a question for you. What percentage of the time do you let your kid win? I ask dads this one all the time. It really tells me a lot about how they think about parenting. The only truly universal answer seems to be that none of us will ever let our kids win at Mario Kart. Sorry, kid. I've been running these streets since before you were pooping in your diapers. But what about other stuff? Board games, sports? What kind of heat, if any, do you bring? Answers on this vary quite a bit. Dads are pretty simpatico on a number of things. Effort is important. Losing and winning gracefully are a big deal. Skill development and persistence and grit and fun are the real juice. I've been coaching in my professional life for a long time, and it's really informed my ideas about how to create and manage challenges for people. Humans want to feel successful, and they want to feel ownership, and that doesn't matter whether you're 4 or 40. It's the same deal. So setting up physical challenges, sports drills, and all that is, to me, a lot like sales. If you're talking too much, you're losing. So even if your kid is at the age where they really want to spend 15 minutes explaining the rules to you, uh, when it's your turn, you need to exercise real discipline. So I use sort of a one-sentence principle. If it takes me more than a single sentence to explain, it's probably too complicated. So we can trickle these things out one thing at a time. When I play soccer with my son, for example, we usually play in the park by our house, and my goalposts are ridiculously far apart from this tree to that fountain. His are the width of a park bench. So we both try to bring it, and it's the constraints that make things competitive. I don't let him win at much. Uh, as he gets better, my goalposts will just start to narrow, and in time, his will have to widen. There is an art to doing all of this, and I want to introduce you to a beefy sort of Picasso. Jeremy Frisch is a father of three. He is the owner and director of Achieve Performance in Clinton, Massachusetts, and I love how he approaches athletic development for kids. It is both more effective and more joyful than a lot of what you'll see out there. He is my go-to guy for this type of stuff, and I feel like we're really lucky to have him on the podcast. Before we begin, I want to tell you about our most recent in-person Dad Strength Meetup. We were hosted by master facilitator, father, and other ship co-founder Robbie Bent. We cycled between a cold plunge and sauna. Dads really opened up about their challenges, and the whole crew supported the hell out of one another. And I am so grateful to be able to do this. If you want to stay in the loop on future in-person events, including workshops and retreats, you can go to dadstrength.com, sign up for the newsletter. I'll share what's coming up with you there. I will also share some of the wisdom gleaned from our weekly calls. Now for my interview with Jeremy Frisch. Let's get into it. When I first got into the industry and I started working with younger kids, I was shocked to just see what they couldn't do. I'd be like, all right, well, let's do some skips. And they couldn't skip. I had to teach them to skip. When we were younger, we just sort of learned it at the playground or outside, you know. So I think I think over the years, that's even gotten worse now. Phys ed's pretty much gone by the wayside or, you know, like my kid has gym like once every eight days or something like that. And it's wild. You know what I mean? So it's like 
I don't think kids, kids are, they're probably getting less and less movement. Video games are getting more exciting. Kids still specializing in one sport. Uh, COVID really just, I think if any generation or any group of people that had a tough time during COVID, it was kids because they just stopped moving. You know what I mean? If they were doing a little bit that before, they were doing none of it during COVID. I think there's a huge need for some type of a remedial program for kids to sort of get them to learn their bodies and how to move and love it and, and uh, be able to take it into the next phase of their life. You know, and I don't think, I think what happens is, is when kids don't, or kids are not exposed to movement when they're, you know, when they're young, when they're really young, you know, they just, it's not part of their life and they don't, it's not exciting for them and, and they're not good at it. And they never learn it. And so they never, it never sticks. You know what I mean? So I think that's where we're at now, but then there's the whole other side of it, right. Of the industry. Like, uh, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. It's like, why are so many strength coach dads in such a rush to put a barbell in their six-year-old's hands? I'm on Twitter a lot with a lot of videos that I have and, and the people I interact with. And it's like a little bit of research says like, oh yeah, strength training is great for kids. It's great. It's fantastic, right? Any resistance training is probably great for human beings, right? But a baby scooching across the floor, that's resistance for him. The floor is his resistance or her resistance, right? So you don't have to necessarily get a six-year-old to start strength training. You can have him climb on a monkey bar, roll on the floor, wrestle with his friends. You know, it's there's such a rush to get into this very organized, super uh, heavy, you know, we got to get strong. We got to get, you know, this idea that athleticism is built in the weight room rather than like outside where you're running around and, and trying things. So that's the whole other side of some of the things I deal with as well. It's tempting to use like an, uh, an adult pair of eyes on kids' movement. And I don't think it's all always sort of obvious or intuitive how much physical work, like a, like a one-year-old who's just starting to sort of cruise and, and, and pick themselves up on the couch and move around, a six-month-old who's working to crawl, like how how difficult physically that is, but they're not counting sets and reps and they're, they're so hungry for movement and exploration that the, the physical effort of all this stuff is secondary. Um, I would wish (laughs) that for adults too, but that's, that's another story. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, kid, like you were just saying, like kids don't necessarily like, they don't understand really get exercise. You know what I mean? They get movement, right? They get things that draw them in and get them excited. And, you know, they like to try things. They don't really get like, oh, I got to go do, you know, a half hour cardio today for my, my aerobic system. They don't, that doesn't, none of, they don't know any of that stuff. You know what I mean? So I think when, when you put exercise on a kid, it's just basically adult led, you know, it's like, oh, I think this is really good for you. So you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm the adult rather than like, Yes, we're the adult and we know that movement is very, really good for kids, but let's find the way, let's find the best way for those, those, that type of work for kids. Like, what do we, what's the best thing that, that we can expose a child to? Maybe a barbell is cool, but I can tell you that if a guy had a barbell and, and, and I was across the way with my obstacle course, I'm going to tell you that all the kids are going to be with me at the obstacle course. You know what I mean? It's because it's engaging. It's fun. It's like, you know, there's endless amount of movement and uh, movement variation. 
you know, so those things just draw kids in. And so over time, I sort of figured that out, just the different things, the different activities we've done. You know, I've just seen kids be drawn to that type of uh, those type of activities. And so all I did was just basically took what kids love to do and made it a business. I've tried it many times. Like I tried the the speed agility work, the ladders and the, you know, with younger kids. And, and I, I, so many times I've been there and just the kids are not into it. They're not engaged. And they, they just didn't seem to have fun. Maybe at first, maybe the first few sessions, but eventually it gets boring for them and they don't, you know, they don't really understand about like, Oh, you got to do hard work and you got to push yourself. Like they don't get that. You can get them to work hard by, by giving them different activities that basically disguise hard work. We play pickle, right? And you know, you get kids running back and forth between bases. You got two coaches throwing the ball. We did a test one day with my son. He was like seven at the time. And in one game of pickle, he had run 600 yards without even knowing it. 600, right? 600 yards, nonstop, up and back, boom, boom, stop, start, stop, start, right? And he all, you know, he was sweating out of breath, but he didn't know he ran that distance, you know? So yeah. it's like basically we've tricked him into exercising by playing a game. Real simple. You know what I mean? And so I've I, now my yeah. now my kids are older. Like I got I got a you know nine year old, eleven year old, thirteen year old, fifteen year old. You know, they've done all that fun stuff, and now they're getting more mature, and now they're starting to like lean into like the exercise stuff, right? They're sort of getting out of the game type stuff, and now they're starting to realize, all right, well we're you know they're uh, they play different sports, and they realize that like being more athletic and stronger and more flexible and all that stuff could probably help them. So now they're transitioning into those things. Whereas like, I think if I made them exercise when they were little, they would, they would hate it as they became teenagers. You know what I mean? I'm not sure there's a, a version of this where it doesn't exist. You certainly see it with, with older kids, but this idea, like we have to beat work ethic into them oh, yeah and we have to you have to frame everything as discipline right. and and overcoming and again if if you just had your kid run that same number you know that do that same mileage yeah and constantly talk about how hard it is you yeah, know grind. embrace the grind yeah. the grind <laughs> always the grinds so you know would he have done as much what would have the quality of work been like not even close like the what would have is if we just looked at like side-by-side -side video of them running right right in these two scenarios um there's there's stuff that's so much more compelling I mean, my my son's six and he's starting you know uh i'm i'm delighted like i I fell in love with reading when I was six and he's getting into it and I'm so excited and I'm like constraining myself. I'm not, I'm trying it. not to make a big deal of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because I just, I need that joy to be from him and I'm not, you know, forcing him to do stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself back when I want to kind of correct or, or jump in, you know, it's, he'll, say some words wrong or he'll skip over words and it will all be okay. And I think everybody can kind of recognize this because um, most of the parents I know, you know, it's not the mistakes, the mistakes we make are, are like our errors. They're not errors of omission. We just want too much too soon. Trainers do the same thing. You know, this, it's just like people who want to help and who care. Um, and, and, and so there's sort of this discipline of, of holding back. And I think we all get that if you've ever tried to force your kid to do math or you know, read. Um, but for whatever reason, it it's, we have a weird relationship with exercise in our culture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when I see people applying set 
and rep schemes that they would use with adults to kids. It all feels a little janky. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. So, so you've, you've got this beautiful system. So we, we can imagine what this is like short term, but what, what happens over the long term? What's the kind of development you see in the kids you work with? Well, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I use my kid, my own kids example, cause they've kind of always been, uh, been through it all. But, um, what I think what happens is, you know, many kids is that, uh, along with like doing, you know, the variety of activities that we do, the crawling and the jumping and the games and things like that, they're simultaneously developing, um, sports skills, you know, like my kids, well, you know, they all play three sports, right? So while they were going through those seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years, right? Those, those ages, they're developing sports skills as well. Um, what happens is I think that at that time, their skills are developing, but they don't have the physical, the underlying like power strength type thing to, to express it. Right. So what I'm seeing now is when the kids do hit those teenage years and they start to hit puberty and they have this massive increase in, in strength, just naturally, just by growing, they have this big explosion in strength and, and kind of coordination their sports skills are starting to uh, their their physical skills are starting to um, get in line with their sports skills. And you're seeing it. I saw a huge increase in their ability to play their sport, whatever it is with, you know, football or basketball or softball or things like that, you know? So it's like, you just kind of see them average and then you get that big growth spurt. And then you see those kids start to go above average because the physicality is there that, uh, to go along with their sports skill. And I've had, I can't tell you how many kids I've had through, through the years that, uh, you know, looked average at best in sixth grade who were just monsters by the time they were sophomores and juniors. You know what I mean? And those are the kids you just like, you're so happy because when they were younger, like they just wanted to keep up and just wanted to play and they just tried as hard as they could to be with those like natural kids that just dominated as when they were younger. And you see those kids mm. make, make strides when they're in high school, when it matters, right? That's the time when it really matters. Not when they're, you know, in little league, which a lot of people think that's like the goal, you know, the goal, those are the golden years. But real reality is, is like when it really matters to high school and the kids that get to go on and play in college or whatever, you know what I mean? Or even the kids that like, just figure it out as far as like exercise wise, like they, they go through those years and they, they learn, like they learned how to like take care of their body and maybe they don't play sports anymore, but they go do recreational stuff. You know what I mean? I've had plenty of those kids like sort of stop playing sports because not everything's not about sports, but just know how to like take care of themselves. You know what I mean? They know, just by being in the environment that they grew up, that sort of environment they grew up in. So, you know, I think yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, that story of the kid who's, you know, sort of average growing up and then becomes extraordinary through, you know, working hard and, and, uh, you know, um, kind of figure it out as they get into that maturity age, right. That puberty and beyond, they start to figure it out. So, yeah. So I think it's really important in the younger ages to make movement fun and make sure that, and so that kids love it. Right. And then it makes that transition easier. And eventually or as kids become teenagers and adults, they're going to fall into exercise. Right. But we want that beginning part to be really fun. So when it is time for them to learn exercise, they're going to be engaged and involved and like moving because they did it so much when they were younger. You know, and I still think like you, you were saying before, imagine getting some adults on the floor and have them crawl like a baby, like like creep and roll and 
you know, I could see many adults having a very hard time, uh, and doing those things. You know what I mean? It's probably what adults really need more of than a rower and, you know, more kettlebell swings or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, greater variety, um, more room for, for exploration and play. The, those challenges become self-organizing too. It's like, ah, oh, if I just keep because that framing, you know, continues into adulthood where people think about exercise through the lens of how tired was I? Right, right. How hard was it? <laughs> right? Which is kind of a joyless way to do something, you know, that arguably is the only reason, uh, you know, the human brain exists in this form. It took right? me a long time to leave the gym feeling better than I left. Like it took me years and years to figure that out. Like it is always like, I'm going to go destroy myself today. And, and like, I would be exhausted, you know, when I finished and, and it's a good, right. You know, it's a good feeling when you're tired, like you did something, but now it's like, yeah. you know, I, I even feel better when I go in for 20 minutes and I do, you know, two or three exercises in a little circuit and, and move around and open up and, you know, don't go to failure. Don't push through, you know, joint angles that hurt and, and things like that because you know you feel good about what you did and the next day you're still moving the, pretty much the same way you're not uh you don't need a day, day three days to recover you know from uh death sets of squats or whatever so what helped you make that mental transition i think injuries probably you know just like not feeling great and and, and the other like wanting to train every day and whereas like i used to not like I would train so hard on some days that I would need two or three days to recover. You know what I mean? And so it came down mm -hmm. to it. Like for me, I, I just want to feel better. I want to be less anxious. I want to be, you know, I want to feel good and have just like, feel like I did something and, and train, but not, not be exhausted. And especially too with the gym, right? Like I got to, you know, I get a session at 11, but then you got an hour off and another session at, at one. So I'm going to squeeze this in. You know what I mean? So it comes out of necessity too. We're going to squeeze in the session here, session there. So I just, over time, I just sort of, I figured out that uh, probably less is more. I think a lot of people actually chronically overestimate the amount of volume they need for progress because mm -hmm. you kind of get locked into these these templates. What Like whatever school you, you become an adherent of, like, okay, I'm into powerlifting or I'm into bodybuilding. Right. And these are like the, you know, like these are the set and rep schemes that people in this world use. And, it, and, you know, if, if in doubt, it's, it's a good kind of place to start playing around. But, um, that's a question I would ask a lot of adult adults. Um, have you ever tried like, I don't know, two sets of something, right. or have you tried just doing one? Like, what do you need to walk up feeling better with and then what are your other goals like performance aesthetic whatever um what if what if you only did a hard session every 10 days right uh, that doesn't that's weird because that doesn't fit a regular calendar schedule that's <laughs> like well maybe your particular physiology may not follow the the you know the solar calendar yeah i just think from for me um it's gone past sort of um not that i not that i'm like 
not aware of it, but like it used to be like, I want to get jacked. You know, I want to be, I want to be here bigger. I, all those things are gone in my mind. You know, for me, it's like, I don't care about how big my arms are. Or I, I want to be fit obviously, but like there's, there's less like, you know, I can't, I, I could probably tell you for, from the day I started strength training through college up until into my mid thirties, like that, like I got to get bigger, got to get stronger, got to go heavier. You know, that, that mindset was, was always like in the forefront. And, and, you know, now it's just kind of, I just want to move. I just want to move around, feel good. And, and, and uh, I want to be able to do it every day. And I don't want anything to hold me back from doing it. Cause that's the worst thing is when I can't move. Cause I go cuckoo, you know? Yeah. If this is your medication, yep. you don't want to get <laughs> right. in the way of taking your medication. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. I'm going to say some words. And you're going to tell me uh, what comes to mind when we think about, mm -hmm. um, well, let's start uh, long-term athletic development. Yep. For me, you know, it's just, it's not, you could look up long-term athletic development and, and there'll, there'll be a huge, you know, you could buy the book, you can get the book through, uh, I think Canadian, the Canadian research, uh, sports and research where, you know, they give you all the different phases like fundamentals and training to train. And I don't think of it that way, although it's a great kind of piece to look at when you're first learning about long-term, long-term athletic development. For me, it's just, uh, given the young athlete, the things that they need at that time, you know what I mean? And be able to transition from, from kind of one age group to the next, you know? So for, for my business and the way I've set it up, uh, I basically have a program called speed demons, which is from K through two and that's like yelling and screaming and chaos and you know running and jumping and like me trying to like corral the kids and then giving up and just say go nuts and you know it's really just the most unorganized play group you you know loudest thing you've ever seen but in that mixed in there i do you know you'll see elements of athleticism like running and jumping and rolling and climbing and you know, we wrestle and play games and things like that. So you know, that's kind of like my phase one. Uh, and then I have like the a next, another phase of speed demons, which is kind of like grades, like three through four, three through five, which things get a little bit more organized. We play more organized games. We do, you know, we'll probably do, I sort of, I shouldn't say exercise, but we do activities sort of set up in different groups where like, you know, you might walk in the gym and you'll see a group of kids climbing on the bars, you know, doing, you know, climbing and hanging and stuff like that. And, and then, uh, you might see another group of kids over on the other side of the gym doing some crawling and rolling. And then you might see another other group of kids doing some jumping off a ramp. And then we kind of rotate through a circuit and they hit all those different things, but those movements are very engaging for kids. So, you know, it may look like circuit training from an exercise point of view, but it's the, the, the activities we're using are kind of engaging and the kids really enjoy it. Right. So that's kind of the next phase. And then we have basically youth at, uh, athletic, the athletic development phase. So that's kind of like grade six through eight, six through nine. And we still do a lot of the things we did in the last phase, play games, sprint, jump, jump off ramps, climb, but that sort of, there's probably less of that. We probably use it in the warmups. And then we start teaching kids, um, you know, some, plyometrics we get in more involved in speed and agility work things like that and then sort of from there 
we have strength and conditioning where kids get into high school, you know, and we start to teach them, you know, Olympic lifts and power lifts and, you know, your classical, classic strength and conditioning type stuff. So that's really in a kind of a nutshell, my, the way I approach long-term athletic development and the, the way I do it with the, with the, the kids that come into my facility. As you kind of think through these different phases, um, what is your, I was going to say tolerance for error, but maybe it's sort of more like your tolerance for letting things be imperfect or not coming into, to really micromanage movement. How do you, um, you know, cause you're a dad too, and you know, and you, you have like aspirations for these kids. You want, you know, you want to see great things, but a lot of, you know, we, we know uh, a lot of the time, the way to do that is, is to let go of some of these, um, some of this preciousness. So how do you, yeah. how do you find that balance? Yeah. Great question. You know, cause, and I, and I think it only comes with experience, like, because when I was younger and I would have a kid do a, say like a, you had a seventh grader or an eighth grader trying to learn like a hand clean for the first time. Right. And I would be like on him, but I, through experience, I realized in seventh grade, his body's this way and he might grow a little bit more and things might be off. So we're just going to stick with it and keep doing it. It might be ugly till ninth grade. And then boom, in 10th grade, he starts nailing them. You know what I mean? So I realized through experience and over time that like teach the kid, expose it to him, practice it, you know, go with it. If it's really ugly, if like there's some type of anatomical like issue that he can't get in the right positions, then scrap it. Right. But for the most part, the kids can do the things you're asking them to do. They just need practice and they need time because their bodies are growing and doing lots of different things. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very like, I teach technique, but I'm not, I let it happen. Right. I like to let the kids have variation and not every kid looks like a robot. That's the other thing. Like, I don't, I don't want every kid to look exactly the same because every kid's different. You know what I mean? They have different sizes and different bodies and different weights and things like that. So different coordination levels as well. So, you know, when you see the youngest kids and that's the great thing about the activities we do with the younger kids, there's no like technique. It's just like go vault over that, the obstacle course, you know, they just figure out how to get over it. I don't say anything. I just tell them to go. You know, so it's funny, funny story. It's like the elementary school kids come over sometimes because they're across the street and I'd set up the obstacle course and the teacher was like, well, are you going to show them how to do everything? And I'm like, no, I'm just going <laughs> to say go. And they just take off. And there's absolutely no teaching involved. There's nothing that I need to do except expose them to the environment. Like, here you go. This is what I want you to play in and you go figure it out. And they do it 100% of the time. You know what I mean? So pretty much mm -hmm. through those first few phases, I don't really have to teach anything. It's just about variety and exploration and diversity of movement. And then eventually they do transition to the, like the exercise type stuff and strength conditioning. And that's where you start to teach more, but still you hope, right? The idea is that if having them gone through those other phases that they have sort of like the coordination, they have the structural resilience, the physicality to do those things you're asking to do a lot easier to, or to be able to learn those things, those complex movements, um, a lot easier because they have a great foundation. Like that's like the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Yeah. You know what I mean, so, and I've noticed it like my oldest, you know, he's a really good lifter because I think he did a lot of those little, a lot of movement when he was younger. Like now he's like, can get his body into the right positions and that's the most important thing. And then from there you just start loading it up and then, take a little puberty and throw that in there and 
you know, some testosterone and things start to really come together. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's fun to watch. I'll tell you that. And I would also imagine for these kids too, if they have a track record of years of when someone goes, Hey, here's a physical challenge, um, them feeling successful and engaged and kind of excited about it. Oh, let's see what I can figure out here. If that's your track record of movement. Sure. I, I will say too, like, the younger kids see the older kids train at the same time. Like a lot of times those programs are happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So like you see, say a fifth grader watching like a freshman or sophomore doing what they do. And there's like this, they know that that kid's like a really good athlete. Like say he's pretty popular kid or, you know, he's a good basketball player or football player, whatever that younger kids like, Oh, I can't wait to do what, they're doing you know mm. what i mean so there's that that that's also the part so i know with my own kids because they are always at the gym right because dad owns the gym so they've spent their whole life there they've watched just generations of kids coming through the gym and saw their development and saw the things that they did you know what i mean so now they're they're starting to hit that age that they watched and saw everything happen so now they are very like oh it's my turn these are the things i saw so and so do now it's my turn i'm going to do those things so it's mm -hmm. an easy transition sometimes too with the kids like they're dying to get into that stuff that they see the older kids do what advice would you have for parents not necessarily who you know they're trying to coach their kid to a specific level of athletic performance but you're kicking a soccer ball around or you're you're shooting hoops or whatever you're just playing right mm -hmm. um and maybe they're thinking about skill development. Maybe they're mostly focused on the kid just having a good time. Um, what what sort of coach slash parent advice would you have for folks in those sort of moments of play? Those are the best moments for me. Uh, just, you know, my son and I, every fall, my youngest, we throw the football every day at the bus stop. And then every spring, we throw the baseball. We take our gloves out. You know what I mean? And every winter, we dribble the ball in the hallway before the bus comes, you know what I mean? I, and I'm going to miss, I'm telling you, I'm going to miss those days because like we do it every day. Um, and I think, I think those are the, those are the days that uh, like he's fallen in love with those sports. You know what I mean? Whether he's going to be great or not great or whatever, those are the days that like doing those activities is what sort of made him want to do the, those sports even more, which is I don't care how good he is at them. I'm just glad that he wants to go do those things. You know what I mean? So playing with your kids and, you know, obviously from a parent's perspective, playing with them is just, for me, I love it. Like I just, it's a, such a, such a huge thing, you know, just to connect with your kid, just to be close. But then on the other side of it is there's a lot of, you know, great things that happen physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, between you, each other as well when, when you play with them. So I, I say it all the time, like play with your kid. That's, I just actually started writing this, like, 50 tips for like a parent of a young athlete. And that was like, number one, play with your kid, play with your kid, play with your kid, play with your kid as much as you can. Just go outside. Even if it's 10 minutes, five minutes, play with your kid, play catch, wrestle, chase them around, whatever it is. It's just such a good thing to do on so many levels. I love sports, so I'm really into it and my kids are into it, but it, don't worry about like, am my kids, my kid going to be this or my kid going to be that? Cause you don't know. I try to steer my kids away from football, all three, all three boys. Cause I played and I'm like, you know, kind of beat up and 
like maybe they'll be better off playing something else. Me thinking that the parent like, and then somehow they ended up all playing football without, without me. So, you know, you just can't think about, well, what's this or what's that? You just, just be in the moment and, 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 uh, and play with your kid. So that's, uh, on the side of what, what to do. I'm sure you've seen enough youth athletics and little league teams and hyper-involved kind of parents. What are some of the uh, pitfalls to steer clear of? Yeah, I think because if you are hyper-involved and uh, you're constantly telling the kid what to do and how to do it, they're, they're going to hate it eventually. You know, they're going to, they're going to, I can't tell you how many kids, um, you know, get into a certain sport and they may love it when they're young or maybe even their parent loves it and they want to, they want to make their parents happy. So they will do it and deal with it for a while. But at some point in your life, usually around 13, right? That's like that, that age where you turn around and tell your parents to F off or I don't want to do this anymore. It's like mm-hmm. that, that transition age, you know? And so I see it a lot. I see that kids dropping out of sports at that age because they're just pushed too much too you know, too early. And so, um, you know, you, I think that's the biggest issue is and any advice I'd have for parents is just let them play, tell them they're great that tell them they did great. And you love watching them play and you don't have to really go on any more than that. And if they, and then go out and play with them, right. Don't tell them, Oh, we got to go practice your swing, or we got to go practice your jump shot. Just say, Hey, let's go outside and shoot around. You want to go shoot around? You know what I mean? It's like it never everything, like you said before, it doesn't have to be everything has doesn't have to be the grind, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just go out and, and practice. You know, let's go shoot some free throws. Let's go play horse. Let's go, you know, let's go to the field and hit some baseballs, you know, things like that. That's that's what I try to do um with my guys. I don't tell them like, oh, you know, you struck out three times last night. We need to go, we need to go hit a, uh 200 baseballs today we have a field like literally on the other side of the road of our house. Like, let's go over and hit some balls today. Oh, great. Yeah. We got nothing to do. Let's go do it. We never ask them to redeem their performance in video games. Right. 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 So <laughs> I just like, I think, um, I think too, if you do it that way, your relationship with your kid will be much better. You'll be much healthier, you know? So that's, but it's, that's it's such a, it's such a subtle difference. Uh, I just want to call it out. It's, Rather than, hey, we have to go work on, it's just, let's go. Sure. Let's go. And all I know is we're going to have a good time. We'll figure out a version of this that keeps our attention. That's enjoyable. Yeah, sure. You know what's been a blast this year is my son is in high school. He's a sophomore in, in high school. And so he plays football. And, you know, his coach requires him to watch film, you know, watch game film to see who they're playing the next week and, you know, who he's going to be going up against. And I like I love that stuff. And I do it on my own. Like they don't, my kids don't need to be involved, but it's been pretty fun this year. Like he comes home and he's like, let's watch game film. So I'll be like, sit down and watch game film. I like, all right, see this guy right here. He's running this and we're doing that. And you know, this, these are the things that you got to look out for. And, 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 you know, it's, it's so fun to kind of just go back and forth with him. Is he asks questions that he wants to learn, right? He's at that age now where the, he likes, he likes what he's doing and he, he's inquisitive about, you know, and he wants to obviously do well in his game. So it's been every Thursday night we sit down and watch game film, which has been a blast because my thir- my 13-year-old who I coach his team, he could care less about watching game film, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been pretty interesting. What a nice thing just to be able to 
and, and I find, yeah, having another activity to sort of organize those conversations to just like, no, I'm going to speak with my parent. Like we're going to jam on stuff. There's no emotional heaviness to it or sense of, of discipline or duty. Like we're just going to do stuff that we're interested in. Yeah. And I can tell you too, like he's grown up down the gym. Like when he works out, he, I'm not there. I don't train with him. I usually open the door and, you know, drop him off and I go home. Yeah. And I'm not even worried. Like, you know, I, I'm, I know he's, he's 15. I know he's totally fine. He's not going to like get hurt doing something like, and I just let him, I'm like, usually I guide him a little bit. He's like, what do you think I should do today? I'm like, maybe you should do some, maybe squat. You know, if you don't feel like squats, maybe deadlift. I know I'll just give him some choices and I'll be like, go do this. You know, if that's what you want to do, I'm like, dude, you always got to finish with curls. Cause like, you just have to, <laughs> it's like, you know, and he'll laugh and, and, but I just let him go. You know, I don't try to sit and I'm like, Oh, we got to do two more sets. And you know, you need to do this. I don't even, he's never, he's never had a, like a workout, like on a piece of paper where he has to like follow sets and reps. He's basically like, we got a handful of exercises that he likes to do and he goes and does it. And I let him just go do it. I don't, you know, try to overcoach him or any of that stuff. So yeah. So I, and I think if you, uh, spend enough time when you're younger doing those things and sort of just like you said, jamming back and forth and, and learning, you're basically teaching them, but you're not really teaching them. You're just having fun, but they're learning at the same time. Those are the, that's the best type of environment to, to learn, to grow up in and to learn stuff in. Such a great message. And from someone who is in the trenches, who really knows this stuff inside and out, I encourage you to check out Jeremy's website, achieveperformance.training. But more than anything else, I encourage you to get out there and just mess around with your kids because it works on every single level. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Shout out to the Unlearning Network and big thanks to Jeremy Frisch for sharing his wisdom on long-term athletic development with us. I've got a great new episode on masculinity, on modern masculinity coming up hot on the heels of this one. I hope you can join us. See you soon. <laughs>